welcome everyone to Time to Unwind, the podcast from Watch Gecko. I am your host, Anthony, and joining us today is another special guest, although really he's almost not a guest anymore because he's become quite a familiar figure on this podcast. Welcome again to Neil Duckworth. Hello, and thank you very much for that uh, introduction. And Neil, of course, has joined us on a couple of podcasts in the past. Um, he needs no introduction, but for those who don't remember, <coughs> I'll reintroduce him anyway. He's the man who brought Tag Heuer to the UK. He's had a huge career in the watch industry, done all sorts of things with many different brands in many different places. Um, he's got a few exciting adventures coming up, but we'll talk about those on another occasion. And um, yeah, we're very, very delighted to have him and his knowledge and his experience joining us on the podcast again. Also joining us is Ben. Say hello, Ben. Hello, Ben. And Tim. <laughs> hello, I'm back. Say hello, Tim. Oh, hello, Tim. Sorry. <laughs> and finally, John. Say hello, John. Hello, John. Fantastic. That is everyone here present and correct. Now, as you remember, uh, we tend to start the podcast by looking back at what has inspired us uh, this particular week. Does anyone have any flashes of inspiration? I uh, watched a really good video um, via the Watch Pro website a couple of days ago, <coughs> and it was an interview with um, Mike France, who is the, I think he's the, the head honcho at mm-hmm. Christopher Ward. I don't know whether he always was, because Christopher Ward, him, the man himself, is... One of the founding members. Uh, co-founder, yeah. yeah. Co-founder, yeah. Mike, yeah. So, co- co-founder of Christopher Ward. And I hadn't really, I don't think I'd seen him talk before or I, I wasn't but I, I, I found the video was really watchable it's about an hour long um he came across really well and it was just really interesting there was all sorts of things about him and his his, his early days before he was into going to the watch industry um and it, there's this it's just very interesting but it, the, the the reason I was watching it was um Christopher Ward have uh, launched a new watch it's a super compressor um and I think it was launched last week I think yeah um and he was so he was talking about a few things, but that was the main thing he was talking about. And I th- I thought it was absolutely fantastic looking watch, um, really great piece of engineering actually. When he describes and uh, explains what it what it does, um, and talks about that style of case, and that there's lots of watches that have that kind of case, but lots of them aren't actually proper super compressor watches. Um, mm. Which I did, it was a bit of an education for me. I didn't really know much about that. So I did think I actually I'd buy one of those. They're about eight hundred quid. Um, and I thought for the money, that's uh, that's a great mm. that's a great watch. So I don't know whether you're already in talks to try and get one, or whether we just buy one or what. But um, y- yeah, so it, yeah, we uh, received the press release a few days before it was live, so we were able to get that ready for the launch day. Uh, we were we have been offered one on loan if we if we want one. Um, so yeah, I, I think I think soon we should we should get one in and and really have a look at it. Really, right. um, I was. Equally, I was impressed with it when I saw it was out. I think it's it's quite different. Yeah, I think for is, Christopher yeah. Ward, a lot of the time they've. they've Almost done some quite uh, kind of playing it safe watches yeah. in a way, yeah. um, kind of obvious watches that are going to appeal, appeal to a lot of people. Yeah. Um, but I like this; I felt like they're really going in on the like uh, the enthusiast. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. So yeah, it's a nice watch. Yeah. Sounds like a fascinating bit of technology, Tim. What has inspired you this week? Um, I've I've gone back to uh, film suggestions. Have you now? So yeah, recently I watched. Uh, I think. Possibly one of the first like biopics before they were really popular, and you know, there's Elton John ones now and loads of stuff. Uh, the one I watched was called Ray, which is from 2004. Um, Jamie Foxx as is playing Ray Charles, um, and yeah, like like I said, I, it, it must be one of the early ones of these uh, sort of films. But but it was great. It's I didn't really know much about Ray Charles. I knew obviously he was a really influential uh, guy in the music industry. Um, but here, the way he like combined gospel and R and B and hip hop and stuff, and kind of R and B more than hip hop, um, but kind of invented like a new genre in a way, um, and, and was actually quite controversial at the time. I think a lot of people were upset that he was singing about like gospel songs in a, a jazzy way. Um, and he's as most like rock stars basically of that era have done. He, he lived a crazy life, um, and it's like one of the best Jamie Foxx performances I've ever seen. Um, yeah, really good film. I'd, I'd recommend everyone and anyone watch that. I'll check that out. Ben, how about you? What has inspired you this week? Mostly our conversation before this chat, I think. Um, 
So we were discussing Yama, mm. which went into Frenchness, and then obviously oh, hey. we started talking about Tim's surname, um, <laughs> which led us on to Chateaus, um, and we were thinking that maybe the Chateau de Vaux or Vaux, if we were in France, could be our yep. next headquarters. And just, yeah, thinking how cool it would be if we were in a chateau. <laughs> so that's inspired me. You know, this the, is an uh, idea that's unpitched to John yet. This is the first time he's heard it. So. Yeah, live reaction. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, just, uh, yeah. yeah. Escape um, to the chateau came up in the conversation. And just yeah. How cool of a show that is and just how crazy it is, especially compared to if you think about housing markets and prices of buildings and stuff in the UK and the contrast with... In the middle of France, some abandoned castle, seemingly good value. Yep. Tim, does the Chateau de Vaux belong to your family? Um, not that I know of, no. Maybe, maybe there's a distant connection, um, but I've never looked into it. I think you should claim it. Yeah, I'm hoping I can turn up there on the day and kind of be treated like royalty and shown through the house and stuff. It'll Sounds good. Well, I'm always inspired by Chateau, uh, particularly Chateau, oh, Chateau Margaux. That's a very nice red wine. I recommend that nice. as my inspiration. Neil, what's uh, what's inspired you this week? Am I allowed to talk about watches at this stage? You or can not? talk about whatever you like. Uh, but although I, I do concur with Tim, what a great film that was, uh, just reminding me uh, what a great portrayal of Ray Charles uh, Fox did. It was fantastic. No, what caught my eye this week was uh, something new from Chrono Swiss, uh, which is quite <coughs> a departure from them. And it's brand new. It's not cheap. Uh, but it looks pretty stylish. They've gone away from the regulator. Uh, it's, a, it's a regular watch. It's, not, it's showing uh, the time with two hands. Uh, but it's a skeletonized watch. It's called their Skeltech. And it looks very distinctive because of the sort of crossed bridges forming an X right across the, uh, the middle of the dial. Uh, so you should check it out, have a look at it. It's in two versions. There's a black and polished steel, then there's a, uh, and matte steel, then there's a, the one with a rose gold bezel on. But they're between fifteen and eighteen thousand. I think uh, they look pretty good. The Skeltech from Chrono, Chrono Swiss sounds amazing. I'll stick that in the show notes so that everyone can have a look and form their own opinions. So, what we're going to be talking about this week is arguably the biggest news that the watch industry has unleashed on us this year, and that is the whole suite of new releases from Rolex. Um, we have new Submariners, new Oysters, new everything really, which is strange because it comes in a year when no one was expecting anything to be uh, launched at all. Round about the time when we should have been going to the Basel World Show, um, it was announced by various different manufacturers that their plans were pretty much on hold until 2021. But in recent weeks, months, we've seen quite a U-turn and there's been this drip feed of, of new models being released which um, we, didn't, we didn't think we'd be seeing at all until next year. Um, John, in, in your opinion, why, why is that? Um, people seem to think that nothing was happening and now all of a sudden um, they come along at once like buses. Yeah, strange, isn't it? I, I'm, I'm not sure really. Um I mean, clearly things were would have been ready, but you know, all the brands would have had things ready for bar, wouldn't they? Um, so why why they chose to kind of pretend that that wasn't the case? And I, I don't know I don't, whether they've been secretly thinking actually the timing's better for us to announce things. I mean, the, the, there's a peak buying season, isn't there, um, for for lots of things, you know, watches and jewelry, especially. Um, I, I'm not sure if it. Uh, you, Neil will probably have a, a more um, educated uh, opinion on this than I do, but I, I always thought the timing of Ball was a, a bit odd, um, certainly from a consumer point of view, because the the sales of, if we assume the sales of watches are in Q4, to to spill the beans kind of thing at the start of the year, it, I think f- you know for the trade it kind of makes sense. So it, what, what, I'm, what I'm trying to say is it, if, if the brands are thinking more about um, p- publicising things direct to the consumer, this time of year I think makes more sense than, than the springtime. Um, but I, I haven't given it a lot of thought. That's just what kind of occurs to me. I don't know whether Neil's got some other... Yeah, Neil, what do you think? Why this sudden U-turn? Uh, no, I think actually John's hit the nail right on the head. It's to do with uh, bypassing the trade, really. Um, that's when they would have launched it. Uh, and the trade would have eventually got round to uh, showing the uh, consumer the, uh, the products at about this time. So I, I don't think much has changed, uh, and that's what, why Rolex is probably doing it at this time. I think you're right. 
brilliant. Ben, let's talk a little bit about the the watches themselves. So we've got, um, yeah, a huge uh, a huge number of new releases from Rolex and in different colours as well. So many quite, different colours. Yeah, yeah, quite a quite a kaleidoscope of watches. Um, I think probably yeah, you know, along with the sort of um, the, the the canning of Baselworld, I think probably you know the most significant announcement of news we've seen so far this year. Does everyone agree? I think when you when you're a name like Rolex, then you're always gonna <clears throat> get attention. Really, I think Rolex don't really need to do much, and people will talk about it. I think if any other brand did some of the stuff they've done uh, recently, it might be regarded as news from some some outlets, but it wouldn't kind of be a big thing as much as it is now. So yeah, definitely brilliant. So Ben, would you like to talk us through? We'll put everything on the show notes, but would you like to talk us through what we've got? and just sort of run down uh, some of the new releases. Okay, sure. So they've taken, I guess, two different approaches this year um, by replacing a lot or phasing in, like, the new movements for a lot of the existing ranges, such as the uh, Oyster Perpetual 36, uh, a new Submariner, new Oyster Perpetual 41, which are all slightly, like, revisited watches that house the new movement, Um the new movement technology, and then there's also the other contrast where the Sky Dweller is essentially now available in an Oyster Flex bracelet, which I think is what they've done a few times over the years. Yeah. Seems a bit of a cop-out to me, just put it on a rubber strap and call it a new watch, but <laughs> hey-ho. Um, but yeah, the, the the most exciting one for me is the new uh, Oyster Perpetual 36, as this seems to be the biggest change in their range to previous years. Um, there's lots of new dial colours, uh, Looks like five in total, and they really echo the Stella dolls from I think the seventies. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, one of the most important things is the new movement technology. So it's the three two three zero movement, which is a, a brand new non date movement with the um, their new technologies, which, in a simple term, is the escapement is more uh, anti magnetic as well as more efficient, and there's been other changes which basically allow them to have a 70-hour power reserve now. Um, there's a lot of technical things, such as they've improved the efficiency of the gear train. I think that's mostly due to a high-performance um, lubricants. And then they've also done different things with the barrel, such as the, the, the walls of the barrel themselves are thinner, which allows them to stick essentially a longer uh, mainspring in there to allow for the longer power reserve. But the most significant change is the... Uh, Chron- chronology escapement um, which essentially they've uh, played with the standard uh, Swiss lever escapement and it's it's been like skeletonized so that with the, with the new geometry which they say has a 15% improvement in en- energy efficiency um, as well as in a new material which allows it to be anti-magnetic so I don't think the the movement itself is is necessarily anti-magnetic, but it just helps the the everyday. Um, you'd still need a Milgauss or something truly anti-magnetic if you were you know going into magnetic fields often. Um, but I think it impacts servicing as well. Yeah, so servicing isn't needed as, as as regularly or as recommended as much. Okay, that's good. Uh, but the big thing that will affect most people is is the seventy-hour power reserve, really, which just makes the watches a lot more wearable. You know. A lot of people would maybe just, if they, if it's one of their smartwatches, like an Oyster Perpetual or a Datejust, you might tend to wear it Monday through Friday, put it down for the weekend. A longer power reserve definitely allows you to do that without having to keep going over to your watch during the weekend and remember, mm. shake it around a bit or, or give it a wind. Um, but yeah, the other big one, obviously, is the new Submariner. So the 40 mil Submariner, which the Submariner has been 40 mil for... Uh, very, very long time, For many a long decades, time, yeah. uh, is now yeah deceased, as Tim has put it. And in replacement is a 41mm Submariner, <coughs> which even though it is a larger size, they've played with the proportions of the lugs to make the watch look smaller. Uh, it's a bit like what they did to the Oyster Perpetual 30, no, the Datejust 36 last year, where mm. the lugs are now less wide than the previous Datejust 36, which made the watch just appear smaller. Uh, for the Submariner, 41 seems to be the sweet spot among the Rolex range. They've also discontinued the Oyster Perpetual 39 in replace, 
well, to replace it with the 41. Um, so I don't know. It looks like they just want to hit a specification which they think is most popular, but they realize that bigger is not always better, so they can adjust the proportions to make it look more sleek. And if you look at pictures that compare the previous reference, which I think is known as the Maxi case reference, uh, the new one definitely does look smaller, even though it's a millimeter bigger, because the lugs on the previous one were just ridiculous. They were, they were pretty good. Neil, of course, you've seen a few uh, Rolex launches in your time. What do you think of the latest uh, releases? Um, well, uh, I can't really add much to uh, to what Ben has just said, apart from the fact that it's disappointing that uh, the colours that they've launched uh, are only in the ladies' size. It's a bit sexist, I think, though, isn't it? Um, pink, blue... Uh, green, yellow, and what have you. Personally, I, I, I think these are brilliant. I would wear the blue or to match my socks. I'd wear <coughs> the yellow, although you can't see my socks on the, on the podcast. Uh, but I like, I like all the colours, but particularly the, the, the pale blue and the yellow. And it's a shame that um, I'd wear that in a 40 mil. Mm. 36 is the only appropriate size for an oyster with petrol or a date, just, just to put it out there. The 30, I like the 39, though. It was nice and no, you're wrong. Okay, there we go. <laughs> As always, it depends on the size of your wrists. Ben, of course, has the wrists the size of a china doll. So, um, so, so, so he would say that. Um, I agree completely with what Neil is saying. Um, I love the colours and I love, uh, I love that blue. And funny enough, in a previous podcast, we were talking about the new uh, AP, weren't we? That was the Royal Oak that was uh, that was released in mm. that sort of shade of, uh, I guess we could call it Tiffany Blue, or <coughs> is it is it technically aquamarine or turquoise? I'm not quite sure of my colours. Um, Tiffany Blue is Tiffany Blue. Let's go for Tiffany Blue. We know what Tiffany Blue is. So I would absolutely wear. I would absolutely wear that. What does everyone else think? Let's John. This is the new range of colours. What what's your opinion? Yeah, I. I, I agree, actually. So I, I was quite, quite excited when I saw these, and I'd forgotten all about those those vintage ones uh, that, that Ben mentioned. Stella, was it Stella Dial? Stella yeah. Dial, yeah. yeah. Um, and I, when he showed me the picture, I was like, oh yeah, I can remember those now. Um, yeah, that's a really that's a really cool photo. Yeah, so Vintage Watch Company posted, I think, the same day that these released. Oh really? Um, this picture of all yeah. the the day dates from the seventies yeah. uh, with Monday, Wednesday, Tuesday, or yeah, etc. <laughs> Um, so, yeah, there's a. I'm just passing it around. There's a great picture from uh, is it David at Blog to Watch, who's just posted the uh, Tiffany blue as we've called it, right. mm-hmm. uh, with petrol and in a wrist shot. And I think it does justice to the colours. When yeah. I first saw the uh, the renderings of the new colours, I thought it was fake because of how badly done the uh, the fierce, official Rolex yeah. pictures yeah. are. There's <laughs> there's no depth to it at all. You can yeah. it it doesn't even look like a rendering. It looks like they've taken the original rendering and photoshopped it. Very badly, <laughs> which is weird because, I mean, come on, how big is the company? But anyway, if you have a look at the proper pictures or maybe see them in the flesh, which I'm quite excited for, uh, mm. they do look really good and probably a bit more masculine than the flat the images in suggest. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. We'll stick a photo um, from David as a blog to watch, uh, his photo from Instagram on our show notes. You'll like the way that his shirt is colour-coordinated with the... Uh, face of his watch i think that's on the very very nice touch but no i i like those um i like all the colors i think uh i think you'll tim you'll be a fan of the colors we know you like a colorful watch <laughs> yeah I, I do i think these look really good um i agree with neil i think the tiffany blue the yellow one is a really good one as well i, th- I think when it comes to stellar dials um like original ones i think yellow is the rarest color um so you know i think the yellow will will attract a lot of attention because of that for people who know um I think what's also interesting about these is they are they become equipped with the new movement that's found in the Submariner. So for one off, one of if not the entry level Rolex, you get the same movement that's in like one of their leading products as a brand. Um, so which you know seventy hour power reserve, as Ben said. So like yeah. interesting price justification to charge almost double for the Submariner. It's true, yeah. <laughs> um, but I, I think these I think these are really good for Rolex because I think they've it's, it's almost like Rolex um, reminding people that they're still they still exist in the five thousand pound mark as an entry level watch or entry level entry level watch for the brand, um, where people might have been thinking more about Amiga and all these other sort of brands. Uh, Rolex have kind of reminded people that they're still they're still king and they can still release solid everyday watches with a bit of fun to them as well. Yeah, it's an interesting overlap with Tudor there, maybe as well in terms of price mm. points. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. 
Yeah, it's interesting to see that Tudor released the blue 58 and Rolex have, have, are also doing colours. So that, that's what I quite like about these smaller size Oyster Perpetuals as well is in the larger 40 mil sizes, you don't really get that many. It, it's always quite quite serious. Um, but it's nice that the smaller sizes, they've really, they can play around a bit. And I think if you look at some of the women's watches at 31 mil, the amount of variation they've got is crazy. Um, so it's kind of nice to see these introduced to the, the bigger sizes for the women's watches. If they used a lot of colour on the 41 mil, it would be a lot of colour because the dolls are massive. It would, I think it would. Yeah, that would be a, a lot. Weird. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah, so you mentioned as well, Ben, that the um, 41 mil Oyster Petrol replaces the 39 mil, um, which I think is a shame. I think the 39 mil was, was actually quite a nice size. Um, there are also doesn't seem to be many options. I think there's just, unless I'm misunderstanding, it looks like that whole 39 mil range has been replaced with the 41 and you can only get it in like a, a what is basically a black sunburst or a, a, or silver, a silver sunburst with, with gold hands and indexes. Both yeah. have quite a vintage appearance, but you know, if you wanted a 41 oyster perpetual, it's not a lot to choose from when in the 36 range now there's mm. a lot I'm, more I, options. They, they might have rolled out, brought through the older colours through and they're just that these are the headline like new right. stuff. Because I know um, that the, um, the 39 mil, I think it was released last year, was it the, the gloss white a few years ago, dial, but it was, it was still relatively a couple new. of years ago. Yeah. That was really popular, yeah, and and did a lot, I think, for that range in, in watch enthusiasts' mm. eyes, yeah. And it's, it's good with it. So, this is this Oyster Perpetual is now the same size as obviously the 41 mil date, just so I, I mentioned it in the write up about it, but I can almost imagine the, the sales assistant serving a customer who's after a 41 mil date, just and rather than the only other watch really to be able to show them in their price point being a 39mm Oyster Petrol that, although they can try and say, is quite similar, is actually different size-wise. Now they've got two 41mm watches. Almost, they could say, the only real difference is the fact there's a date. That's a good point. So <clears throat> it really expands the range and, and therefore the customer base. Um, Neil, in your time uh, selling watches <coughs> over the years, and when you were obviously at Tag Heuer, Rolex was your rival, how have you seen Rolex evolve in their approach and their sales strategy as the years have gone on? How they evolved? They've just spent a lot more money, I think. <laughs> um, and ever since I can recall being in the watch business, um, we we and other watch brands uh, have predicted the, uh, the the zenith has been reached and it'll and it'll be turning around. But it hasn't. It gets bigger and bigger each year. Uh, they spend more and more money. They uh, they refine their products more and more. The the the, the growth uh, <coughs> increases, demand increases. Uh, everything uh, just escalates. So uh, I've given up predicting what <laughs> they should or shouldn't do. I think they they've adopted the same strategy. They just do more of it and spend more. Um, their product development is always minimal, but it's always qualitative, isn't it? Mm. It's always uh, uh, it, it's never. Uh, dramatic or, or or just for show it's uh it's it's always qualitative and it's um uh it, it works it's a fab- fabulous product I, I said in our article there's a little subheading that th- this these new releases are the refinement and perfection and I, I think that's just what especially in in rolex's eyes that's that's what they do every year they can just refine it introduce a new movement slowly gradually increase uh the quality if they even need to of of their watches um to yeah, r- remain kind of on top, sort of thing. Will you actually be able to buy one? That's another question. Yeah, we're moving on <laughs> to that very topic because there are a number of people who have got uh, a few interesting things to say on that subject. But, uh, can I just on the on those thirty six mils? Do we all agree that it's okay for a man to wear any of those? Because I, 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 when I looked at them, I thought, well, because that's the, you know, in, in, for me, I'm with Ben in terms of the size. That's the perfect size for me. And, that, you know, I quite, you know, p- people take the piss out of me for wearing a pink shirt every now and again. Uh, <laughs> you know, I, I, it's, I, I like it. I like pink. It's fine. There's no, I don't have a problem with it. But I, ju- I just wondered, you know, what the, w- would you, Anthony, would you, you know, you're a man's man. Would you wear all of those colours or would you say there's no way I'm wearing a pink watch? Well, uh, d- don't forget I'm half Italian, so there's a big part of continental <laughs> in me, so which makes me very comfortable with pastel colours and uh, jumpers draped over shoulders, small watches <laughs> in, in, in sort of like pastel colours. So, no, I absolutely would. Um, whether or not I'd wear a, the pink watch, I'm not entirely step, sure. Step too far, yeah. I think the pink watch mm. might be a little much, but I'd love the Tiffany blue watch. Um... The 
the other colours probably just aesthetically appeal a little less. Um, that red would look good at I the F1. I think it maybe depends how they look in person. Yeah, that pink exactly. might look really subtle. Yeah, but it also yeah. If might you think not. about salmon dials, salmon dials are yeah, like I, I definitely yeah. wear a salmon dial. And the one that I find the hardest that. to imagine is the one that I think is called candy pink. They're like the really the orange one. one. Yeah. yeah, it's like mm, almost yeah. like smoked salmon or something. Um, Coral red, I think. It yeah, is. haven't seen many watches in that color. That would be yeah, an interesting one to see. No, for me, I think the Tiffany blue is uh, is a winner, and then I'll definitely be happy and comfortable. Wearing that watch, um, I think that's definitely going to be the one that people talk about. Yeah. Tiffany Blue will be, I think, the the leading one out of those. I've got sort of fairly podgy wrists, along with the podgy rest of me. So sort of like bigger watches tend to sort of probably suit me better than smaller ones. But um, but yeah, no, nothing wrong with a thirty six mil, and nothing wrong with a uh, a pastel shade. Charlie, agreed. Fantastic, <laughs> Tim. I'd like to go over to you because um, I'm sure you'll be able to give us an interesting perspective on this. You know what the question is, because of course you're a, a sub owner, mm. and of course we see um, well a sub that's a little bit different, a little bit the same. Um, I know you've got some sort of strong views on the on the Maxi case, and now we've got this latest evolution. Um, what do you think? What do you think of the latest one? What do you think of its predecessor? And how come uh, you chose neither of them when you selected your own sub? Uh, I've always I've always struggled with the Maxi case. I've, I I think it, it looks quite bulky in person for a, for a watch that is forty one mil. Um, it it it's chunky. It's um it's muscular. It's been to the gym basically. Um, so I was quite pleased to see that this year they've they've refined that. Um, I'll be honest, and I think most people probably were as well, when they heard that it was going to be 41 mil, uh, I was a bit concerned and a bit taken aback. Um, but through pictures from people like Revolution, who have had some hands-on time with the new releases, um, when the two are head-to-head, the old one and the new one, you can really see that, although the new one is technically bigger, visually it doesn't look that bigger at all. It actually looks closer to my reference of sub, the um, five-digit five one. Um so yeah, I, I think it's a it's a better move for Rolex. It comes back to that kind of refinement of um, of perfection. Um, I, I I like that it's not just the case of us. I think the the crown guards are the same. They've also they, they've kind of just reduced it all the way around, and it almost feels like again this is just based on pictures, so it's hard to tell. It almost looks like that one mil difference has kind of gone into the dial rather than the case, um, which I think customers will appreciate. Um, on the wrist, definitely. They're, they're going to always want to see more of their watch. Um, I, th- I think the main th- takeaway from me with it is that it's kind of uh, reiterated in my mind that it's a watch is only half the story when you're looking at stats. You really do need to experience the watches in person and see them, and, and that helps massively on forming an opinion on it, obviously. Um, pictures are great. I mean, we've experienced this for the past six months in lockdown. You can get write-ups out there and share your opinion based on, on images, but it's you can only do that to so to to a level, and then you really need to to experience them to to really communicate um, how you feel on them, basically. Now I know you're very happy with uh, your sub, Tim. We've we've seen a few photos of it and been lucky enough to see it in person. But you're saying then that you you prefer this latest version of sub to its immediate predecessor, if you had to choose. Yeah, I think so. I mean, looking at the two together, the newer one. Without being able to um, establish scale, it it would be easily mistaken, I think, for for the older reference that I've got. Um, yeah, I, I think it, it it looked really nice. I'm, I'm really interested to see if that 41 mil is different, and if if no one had told me it was 41 mil and just presented me the watch, would I say, oh, that's 41 mil? I, I I'd be surprised if I if I could pick up on that. I imagine it's is just 40 mil basically. It's, it probably wouldn't look that much different to. The Submariners everyone knows and loves. So, Thank you. Neil, I'd like to ask your opinion. Um, the Rolex Submariner, obviously an iconic watch, one that's been around for many years. Um, no doubt you've seen a few different iterations. What do you think of, uh, of, of the latest uh, version and the way it presents on, on the wrist from the, from the photos you can see? Uh, well, <laughs> not much I can, I, I can say in terms of the difference. Uh, it's still as desirable as it ever was. Um, not quite sure if somebody can enlighten me why they uh, changed the size. Uh, I, I don't know. Um, Guess it's to accommodate the movement or anything like that. Or no? um, yeah, I'm not sure. Yeah, it's not yeah. a big change. It maybe 
to make space for the refinement of the could place. be. I don't know yeah. if that's <laughs> maybe. Anyhow, it looks pretty much the same. Um, looks great. Uh, I'd like one. Does it deserve yeah. its iconic <laughs> status or is it overhyped? Uh, it's probably a little bit overhyped. I think really, mm. there's a lot of lovely watches out there. Uh, this is is it, slightly too much, I think. But anyhow, it is what it is. Uh, it's very desirable, and uh, no doubt you won't be able to get one. Absolutely. Um, <laughs> John, are you a little bit disappointed to see that there's nothing with the word Explorer in the new releases? Mm, no. Um, I think that's next. No. You, you can't improve on perfection, that's why. <laughs> the, well, the, the there's already a backward step on perfection because you can't get it. Yeah, in thirty six or thirty five, yeah, whatever think, that one is. I think the the, the current Explorer one, I is, I don't like it. It's it's not as good as the Butchered. old one. Butchered. Yeah. Um, Looks a bit fish eyed, doesn't it? Yeah. Uh, just, yeah. Yeah. Just bit, yeah. Just the proportions are off for me. Um, but no doubt, other people like it and are happy with it. I, I I felt the same with the Air King. You know, when they redid the Air King, uh, I mean, that was a few years ago, wasn't it? And it was just not not the same watch that it used to be. Um, I just thought, what are they doing? Um, so I, I've, I guess I, I lost a little bit of interest in Rolex a few years ago. I think, um, and they just, you know, for me, they just went a bit weird. But I, I do very much like these pastely ones. So you know, that I, I could see myself, you know, if I walk past a jeweler's and they've got that Tiffany blue one in the window, I, I, I could, I could see myself just going in and just buying that. A step of in the right direction, I think, and because they have so much sway over the market, I think it will be the start of an explosion of colour. Mm. Which, yeah, yeah, I hope will carry on because things have been very boring recently. It's just all Pepsi and blue. Yeah. Well, <laughs> speaking of colour, of course, the Samarina. We've got a few different variations in colour, haven't we, Tim? Mm. What's what's caught your eye of uh, of the releases? Um, I wasn't that. Interested with the new colours, really. Uh, I, I think it was a, it's a bit like when they released the, the blue Tudor, in that it's, it's always been mentioned that they should should do it for so long. That kind of when they've done it, it's like, oh, okay, good. We can all move on now. Thank God they've done that. Um, I, I think I, I think the new blue one with the bezel, I'm right in saying that it's, it's replaced the old white gold blue one, which had a blue dial, blue bezel, and obviously white gold and everything, um, which I, was, I, I always liked that blue one. Um, I like the the blue dial with it and the blue bezel. I think it it really made it stand out. Um, whereas the the new one, the blue bezel, if I was spending I don't know thirty odd grand on that, uh, I'd feel a bit like I've just I could get I could make my sub look like that. I could buy just an aftermarket. I think blue it looks bezel. fake. It's a bit. I don't know whether this is just because we've seen like people mod watches over the years and our yeah, it just looks of it's like someone's different. bought a new Submariner and then just ripped the bezel off, put a different color one on. I don't know. I think and the, the summer has been black bezel. The fact for that there are so many homage companies that have made things mm. like this, and they so not, less, not, less desirable. Yeah, they didn't necessarily the do it first, but when you look at that, that's what I'm reminiscent of. Yeah. Something that's not a Rolex. It might be our, our jaded view of that. Like yeah. so. so it looks like what uh, one of our favourite social in media influencers, Mr. Uh, Mr. Enthusiast, would call a Submariner bastarda. <laughs> Yeah, that fits it, definitely. <laughs> well, I'd like to um, take a bit of time to give you the view from uh, Hong Kong. Actually, not from Hong Kong, because he's in the UK at the moment. My friend Paddy, a member of um, our watch group, which I may have mentioned here a few times before. And uh, he, he sent uh, a text last night detailing his, his thoughts on the releases. And he says the following. I'm reading out this text here. He said, my thoughts on the new releases in no particular order. One. I quite like the funky dial colours on the Oyster Perpetuals, especially the light blue 41mm models. Funny even goes for that, the one that we call the Tiffany Blue. Although it is unlikely I would make an investment. Two. The new model I'd be most interested in is the new green and black Kermit sub. Three. As an existing sub-owner, I'm a little surprised they've changed the diameter from 40 to 41mm, but I will withhold judgement until I see it for myself in the metal. Good luck with that. Four. <laughs> that said, there's not too much point lusting after the new models, as I assume there will be a standard Rolex lack of availability, unless you are prepared to buy in the grey market, and I would not pay above RRP for a new sub as a matter of principle. Full stop. I think we do we all agree with what Paddy's saying? I think John, he's what do you think? Um I I agree with some of what he says. Um 
So he, he mentions the Oyster Perpetual Light Blue 41 mil. So I, I don't think it's available in 41. I think it's only ah. in the 36. Um, I think maybe it's, so yeah, that, it's getting carried away. Uh, uh, <laughs> but that, I mean, maybe. Uh, he says uh, he's unlikely to make the investment, so I, I think I would make the investment. So I don't agree with him on that. Uh, the Kermit, I've never really liked the Kermit, so I. In fact, you disagree with all of it, don't you? <laughs> like, <there's> not <laughs> uh, he didn't mention Relics Explorer, so you know, what's there to agree on? Yeah, I well, I do, I do agree with his stance on the grey market thing. That would annoy mm. me. I think having to buy, um, you know, pay pay above list for, for for something. I think that would annoy me as well. So I, I do share his sentiments I think there. part of the excitement of the Kermit is that people know when they buy it it'll be worth more when they walk out but yeah, that's not the maybe I'm alone it, so in this thought but I've always thought the Kermit was just disgustingly ugly yeah. like I prefer the, the fat indexes the fat hands it just all looks wrong it's like mm. nah nah <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm sorry Paddy One, we'll get you here on the podcast and you'll be able to sort of just like yeah you've got to be able to defend yourself on this absolutely <laughs> so it feels it feels but but no I, 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 I agree with most of this um, uh, I, I don't mind a Kermit um, and I love the Tiffany Blue um, but I think we're all agreed on point number four which is an interesting one worth talking about here we are getting all excited and revved up about a load of uh, Rolex releases but what realistically will be the chances of getting hands on one. Um, Neil, you've, uh, you're pretty good at sourcing watches. What do you think? Yeah, and people pay all sorts of prices. I wonder if Paddy would uh, be below, uh, be beyond his uh, principles to pay less than retail price for, for one of these watches. I know Paddy, and I think he'd be, that would be well <laughs> within his principles. He'd compromise his principles and I pay less. Would, yeah. but what I'm saying is it doesn't matter. You pay the price, you pay more, you pay less, you pay what you can afford, and it's a, it's a market. Uh, there's a supply and demand. People pay more. If they've got more and they want it, they pay more. If I had uh, uh, a lot of money and I wanted a particular watch and I, I wanted it now, a Rolex, uh, and I could get it for 10, 15, 20% more, I'd buy it. Do, do you get annoyed, though? Because I think a lot of us do. That sort of Rolex are sort of goading people a little bit, aren't they? Winding people up slightly. Uh, I don't think it's Rolex who are doing that, are they? Is it? I, d- I don't know. It's too mysterious for me. What do you think, Ben? Yeah, I think that's part of it. You've got to piss people off, keep them emotionally invested, uh, and then grab their money on the grey market. Keen. Exactly. Yeah. But so, do you, what do you think that Rolex think about the grey market? Though? They mustn't like that. They must think, absolutely love it. It's what, it's what drives it. Keeps their name it. going. Yeah. Yeah. They know that any watch that they create, apart from a Cellini, or maybe yeah, a, true. A, a, a non-bezeled watch, mm-hmm. it will just sell instantly because... Why wouldn't you buy it? Like, even if you hate the watch, if you walk out and it's worth more money, and I mean, yeah. they must be selling watches on the grey market. Come do on, that's West. Come on. Do, do you think they're <laughs> do you think they're concerned though, or or is it just about the money? Uh, is is it not a concern that if if you adopt that strategy, your customers tend to be people who aren't particularly passionate about the brand and therefore maybe not your sort of ideal brand ambassadors in that respect? John, John, what do you think is the Owner of a of a watch company, we, we we want our customers to be sort of passionate about the brand and not just see it as a, a stock oh and yeah. share. Oh, I I agree. Yeah, the you know the the thought of somebody buying a watch because you know just it, you know it has no real genuine interest in it, and the only reason they really but it's like a you know an, an investment or some kind of commodity or something. I I think that's a real shame, and I I don't you know the whole grey market thing. I don't I don't like it really. Um, you know, I, th- I, th- I I understand the like the desirability kind of thing, and the fact that you can't just walk in and you know they've got ten subs on the counter, and it's like you know which one do you want kind of thing. But the, you know the fact that you, you know you you've almost just got no chance of 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 of, of buying one um, in in a normal kind of way. I think I just think it's a bit of a shame, and I think the the people who are involved in that are. Um, you know, um, you don't believe that Rolex has nothing to do with the <coughs> fact that you can't buy a Rolex from Rolex. Uh, well, they're in. Ch- they they must limit the supply of them, mustn't they? Yeah, they, exactly. they could make so more if even they if the grey market isn't, I the intended outcome is that, is part and parcel uh, of just of what they've. Yeah, it's, it's the done. other side of what the they've other done. Side of what they've done. Yeah. Yeah. So. yeah well, I think it's it's the it's the dealers though, isn't it? The dealers know who, you know, the dealers do have them. I mean, they, they don't have an unlimited supply of them, but they do have them and they know who they sell them to. Um, and, and I think they're, 
they're, they're, that's where that's what's they're the ones that they're the, the, the supply chain ends there, doesn't it? The official yeah. supply chain ends there. Yeah, they're sold to people so that they know. They're sold if you're yeah, not to the people that they want already to yeah, have them I in think, that, aren't they? then it's hard to to get in that unless you yeah. want to go and then buy ten day you're, you're the dealer. What what do you do? You know, you've got some you've got some good customers. Yeah, you well, would, I don't know. What happens like, if you're on the waiting list for three years for the sub, and then Rolex come along and release a new one? What happens to that waiting list? Does it does it carry over? Does it do they start again? Well, there's no there's no like the wait the whole waiting list thing. It's there isn't an official waiting list, is there? It's just you mm. know, the, the dealer might put your write your name down, and uh, one day he might give you a call if he's mm. if he feels like it. Um, if you know if one of his mates hasn't come in and yeah. bought it before you got there, I guess because I, I think that you know I, I don't know, but I think that's basically mm. what happens. Is they just there's some kind of in a sanctum and uh yeah my, my dad was on the waiting list for or waiting list for uh, 58 for a while and it well it actually ended up only being a few months and then he he ended up buying it and then a few months later another company called them and said oh yeah we've got one now so yeah i'm not sure i, I don't know whether maybe there's different approaches per dealer and how they how they deal with that i guess that depend, depends on the brand like let's say you want to go and yeah. buy a daytona they don't put your name down because there's no point if the if the wait list is essentially infinite, they can't really keep track of that, can they? But if it's you know, oh, we know we're getting one in a couple of weeks. Put your name on the list, and we'll give you a call. Then that's mm. it's, it's more simple. Yeah, I think that's more realistic. A, a long term seven year wait kind of thing. I just don't think I don't think that's a reality. I don't think that actually happens. Yeah, I mean, I've had stories of of people who have been quoted a, a certain wait list in, in one part of the country and then gone somewhere else and had it nearly straight away. So mm. I think it is it's something that um, it's, it's a little bit of a myth the waiting list, although it's indubitably true that you can't get your hands on a, a Rolex instantly and I guess for me the um, the shame is sort of like, well I- ideologically I think it's a little bit of a shame if you have somebody who say is a genuine enthusiast and has the money and would like to buy a watch and cherish it and love it for what it is and can't get hold of one simply because um, there's a preferred list of people who see them as investments and they're number one to sort of in the queue to buy them because of course um, they've got the purchasing power. I think it's a shame that that you know individual enthusiasts are are maybe sort of prejudiced against under the system that Rolex or their dealers seem to institute at the moment. And I think that's the thing that I struggle with a little bit, um, yeah, from a sort of like personal point of view. Uh, but I guess all big business is the same. And I wonder if that sort of damages Rolex's reputation in a way. It obviously doesn't because, you know, it's a sort of rampantly successful brand. But does it damage Rolex's reputation amongst watch enthusiasts as being a company that puts its own financial interests above those of satisfying people who are really enthusiastic and passionate people when it comes to watches and the brand. I don't know, I'm just putting it out there mm, as a point. Probably, but I, I, think, I think from tell. a business point, I don't know if Rolex really need to yeah. consider the enthusiast side of things because how many people buy Rolexes yeah, don't that, that, that don't even know it's And mechanical. when you look at these enthusiasts, they all own one anyway. Yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah. It's just part of it, like... Yeah, it, it, it's they're playing a very clever game because they piss people off. But if you think of where they sit in the market, I wouldn't buy another brand at that price, like around five grand or above. I mean, I don't, I don't know for Samaras and stuff because I, I don't think I would ever buy one. I don't really care about it. But for like date just always to perpetual level, I don't think at that price point that there's even competition. There's quite an interesting sort of like twist in the sort of human psyche, isn't there, that to some extent people like being uh, messed around because it makes them think that they're part of an exclusive club, so the harder it is to get something, the it's more the you want it. Yeah, it's all about the, the journey of trying to find it. Oh, absolutely. Um, but equally, I completely understand the point of view of people who will think, well, sod this, I'm just going to get something else. And I think that's uh, that's an entirely defensible point of view. Um Neil, you've obviously sort of dealt with uh, lots of customers, your own customers over the years. What do you find is their point of view? Do people really, really lust after Rolexes? Have have you had to tell people, well, you know, I'll, I'll try and get hold of one, but it might take me years? Yeah, all the time. 
Um, if I'm playing golf, which I rarely do, especially if I'm playing with somebody I don't know, I say I'm in the watch business, um, maybe on the when they ask me, uh, by hole three or maybe by hole four, I'm usually asked, can you get me a Rolex? Almost, uh, you know, I know it's coming. I know the next question <laughs> once I said I'm in the watch business. Um, uh, What's your answer? <laughs> I used to say no, uh, but uh, now I say yes. I say yes to everything. So, you to know, be honest, I, you want I me to get a Rolex? That. I can get you a Rolex. What price do you want to pay? Which one do you want? I'll find it for you. Um, and, you know, that's what somebody wants. That's what they'll get. Um, retailers, a typical retailer who uh, stocks Rolex would probably field 20, 30, 40 calls a day from people asking for a price for a, or, or availability on a sub or an Explorer. So, you know, that's 100, 150 calls a week. <laughs> Standard retailer. They'll have probably somebody answering uh, that call uh, every day. And they're not allowed to be rude. They're not allowed to be... Um, they, they, they have to treat every call as a genuine one, even though quite a lot of them might be flippers uh, or chances. Um, but um, uh, that, that comes with the territory. They get asked... Uh, they get that many calls. You ask any retailer how many, how many calls they get a week. It's a phenomenal number. Uh, but yes, I get asked all the time. I quite like it, um, you know. I like it if people are interested in watches. And if I can help them uh, to, to, to find one, the one they want, all the better. And is it always Rolex they're asking you? Or do no, you they ask for Patek as well. <laughs> uh, that, that might be the second question. Can you get me an Autolus? Can you <laughs> <laughs> What's, uh, what, what, Neil, is going to be easier to get hold of then if they ask you that question? What, 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 would, you, what would you rather source for them? Uh, a Rolex. Patek is really quite tricky, although I've, 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 I, I, I uh, have uh, obtained both uh, for people. Um, and, uh, you know, it's, it's quite an achievement if you can get hold of a, a difficult to get hold of Patek Philippe. Uh, but not impossible. It's a big world. There's a lot of people out there. Uh, and there are watches to be found. Uh, please don't call. I was just about to say, if anyone wants any watch. So absolutely, yes, yes, there we go. You heard it first here. Neil can get you any watch, any time. He's on call, speed dial 24-7. His email's in the show notes. <laughs> absolutely, and, and his home number as well as his mobile. Um, there is a rumour going around, well, it was a rumour going around a few years ago that a good place to buy Rolex was Dubai Duty Free. Apparently, tremendous stocks of them. Have you heard the same? No. Uh, I haven't, No. So well, it'd be interesting if anyone sort of like listening has had experience of that. But uh, mm. but yeah. I was I was I was told that was a good place to look. I guess there's quite a lot of people wandering through there and uh, wanting similar items. I think in uh, I think it's Dubai is when they have got that where Rolex have that almost mega store. That's, that's probably yeah. That's like skyscraper level, like yeah. eight floors museum. It, it, I'm sure we'll be able to find a link to it online of a tour of it. it it's crazy the amount of stuff in there. It's like the the, the Rolex experience. Do you reckon they've got any subs for sale? Uh, you prob- yeah, probably if you um, if you've got the right name and you meet the right <laughs> person, I'm sure they've got plenty of subs. Open the door to a sea of subs. Yeah, probably. <laughs> <laughs> so, how long do you think it's quite interesting, isn't it? Um, how long do you think it is before we'll see? Yeah. Uh, the new sub on someone's wrist, someone we know. How long do you think it'll actually take before we see one in the metal, out and about, being worn? That someone's actually purchased? Someone's actually purchased. I don't know. How long's a piece of string? Really, yes. Well, you're going to the F1 next week, aren't you? Well, that's true, actually. So yeah, you'll, yeah, you'll probably that's, see... That's a good point, one, yeah. yeah. Could, could, be, could be next week. Yeah, yeah, you're probably likely to know people who are close with... Uh, I might stalk, I, could, I could stalk Jackie Stewart and mug him. By the way, Jackie, if you're listening, I doubt he is. Don't feel worried. That's a joke. <laughs> I'm not going to mug Jackie Stewart for his new Rolex, will they? Yeah, he'll have one. Why are you winking? He, he, might, have, <laughs> he might have two. He might have two, actually. But yeah, he'll, he'll have one, won't he? I guess they'll give their brand ambassadors one first. Yeah, I would have thought so. Yeah. Well, I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm guessing so. Although it'll take, um, as, as, as you said, uh, Tim, earlier, it'll take probably... Some degree of eagle-eyed sleuthing to actually spot if it's a new model or not. Mm, yeah, yeah, definitely. I think it'll be interesting to see if the new colours, the oyster of petrol, increased demand for that style of watch. Um, in general, it's in not, the industry in yeah, general, or just like for Rolex, it's not that hard to buy an oyster of petrol or a date just. Well, I think comparison. I saw someone on Instagram yesterday who said that they, or maybe Facebook group, that they walked into their D and there was the colours there and they bought one. Right, I think it was in a Facebook group. Yeah, just like so, that. Because I think so there will be yeah one of the a decent amount of hype around it, especially that Tiffany blue one. 
I think so. That's yeah. what they're calling it. So, what yeah. was that person on Facebook say? The Sultan of Brunei or someone like that? Um, I don't think so. I think it's just someone in a in a in a standard Facebook group. Yeah? I think, I think they... Sultan of Chooksbury. Yeah, <laughs> that's you, Tim, isn't it? No, I think that's more John. <laughs> <laughs> the Sultan of Chooksbury. I like it very much. So, um, before we wrap up about Rolex, I'd like to go around the table as we always do. We like to sort of uh, have this little regular feature. And get everyone to talk a little bit about their own Rolex experiences and what they think of Rolex and what their favourite Rolex watch is. Shall we start with John? <laughs> <laughs> Say it for him, Ben. Drum roll, please. <laughs> <laughs> that's a quick drum roll. I think that's good. That was flawless. Yeah, that was good, yeah. That's probably more accurate. <laughs> So, John, what is your favourite Rolex? It's 36mm Rolex Explorer. That's the, that's the, that's the best. That's the best. <laughs> Explorer 2 now. No, um, no Explorer 1. Um, that's my favourite one. And I bought mine uh, about 14 years ago. Um, and I paid, I think I paid £1,600 for it. And I... Bought it from a dealer, and I, so I bought it when I was on holiday in Jersey. And there are, or there were at the time, I don't know what the situation is now. There were two Rolex jewelers on the high street in Jersey, and both jewelers had one. And I think they had subs in the window as well, actually. So, I mean, this is you know, times change, don't they? <laughs> um, and uh, yeah, so I, yeah, I paid paid the list price for it. I think I got a little bit, a little bit of a discount on it as well, actually. Um, and I, I I could have bought it from either jeweler. They both had it, um, and yeah, that's it. Yeah. And does it well? My um, my favourite Rolex, the one I also own, is also an Explorer one. Um, and I also bought I bought it probably a little bit more recently than than you did, John. I think it's probably more like early two thousand, so maybe sort of yeah, fourteen, twelve, thirteen, fourteen years ago. I bought mine actually, uh, strangely, from Auckland, New Zealand. Um, it was um, a man who who ran a Rolex dealership. who was a friend of a friend, and he said, "Well, if you go and see him while you're in New Zealand, he'll be able to give you a good deal." And he did. He did. Um, I forget how much it was, but I remember it was a remarkably good deal at the time. And uh, I wore the uh, I wore the the Rolex back. And uh, the box and papers arrived a few days later. Mm. Um, so, so yeah, it was uh, um, obviously not dodgy at all. Um, but no, I'm a very fan, very big fan of the Explorer One. I think um, they're about five grandish now, around there. And not yeah. that long ago, they were well, um, three, four. Same with the Explorer For this reference. Yeah, are they really? Yeah, I think they've. They, I, I might, I might be even be a little bit under there. By me. I think sort of like I would have paid something similar to what you did, John. I don't remember the exact uh, the exact thing, but it was at the time when you could actually just walk into a dealer and buy one. And um, I mean, the guy knew I was coming because I'd emailed him before, but um, but yeah, he did me a great deal, and uh, I've loved loved that watch ever since. Really, um, don't wear it as often as John wears his, but I do I do really really like it um, because it's the it's the Archetypal, classic, clean Rolex. Um, Tim, I think I know what you're going to say. <laughs> um, it would be a oh, well. I, I I won't play. It. I was going to say the 1016 Explorer, but we've spoken about Explorer a lot, so I won't say that. Uh, it would be a Submariner, uh, one of the early Submariners, so possibly a big crown with Explorer dial. So I'm kind of getting bust of both worlds there. Uh, there's a reference here: the six five three eight. Uh, which is exactly that. It's Explorer Dial, Submariner, Big Crown, one of the early ones. Um, I think these are like 37 mil as well. So, yeah. When you say early, what what sort of years? uh, I think they're like late 50s. Right. Maybe early 60s, but yeah, yeah, they'd be late 50s. So you you probably wouldn't want to do much more than wear it and look at it. Yeah, because um, it'd be quite delicate, I imagine, by now. But maybe just look at it. Maybe, maybe even just look at it. Yeah, but it, it, probably that one. If I was pushed to choose one Rolex that was the ultimate, I think it'd be that. And just tell us a little bit about the Explorer you have, where you got it from, and uh, what sort of it is. 
not the explorer, submariner. Submariner, sorry. yeah. Um, you see, it, not that everyone's been brainwashed here at all. Submariner is what I meant. <laughs> Uh, so Mariner, yeah, I've, uh, I, I bought it from Watchfinder. Uh, when was that? Three years ago now, I think. Um, I had some inheritance money come through and I wanted to make the most of it. So I put some of the money towards that. Um, so yeah, now every day I kind of, whenever I wear it, I feel that um, a part of my family were able to help me acquire this watch that I, I probably wouldn't have gone out of my age and, and just bought directly. Um, so yeah, it's a, it's, a, it's a special watch for me in that way. Um, which year is it from? Is it? Uh, it's two thousand. I, I think it's two thousand eight. Oh, I think it said late two thousand eight. Yeah. So yeah. I don't I, know how you don't know that? Now. Well, I thought it's two thousand nine then for a minute, but no, it's two thousand eight. Um, and I, th- I think it's around the period where they switched to. I think where they started to introduce the maxi case was around then. Um, and they they well they certainly introduced the engraved rehaul. So if you had one from two thousand seven. Is, is the older case, the 16610, but it doesn't have the engraved rehort, whereas mine is almost like a um, transitional model in a way. So you've got older case with, with engraved rehort, which I at the, at the time was, was a big thing for me. So. That's really interesting. Do you, do you know much about the history of that watch or that particular one? Uh, I think it was originally purchased in Hong Kong based on the papers. Um, that's all I know, really. Hong Kong's a great place. Um Ben, what about your Rolex memories, aspirations, favourites? So for favourite or like the one that I'd go for um, realistically would be an 1803. So it's the day-date reference from the 70s. Slightly more gaudy than everyone else's choice, but (laughs) I don't think you can beat a solid yellow gold day-date 36. Um, There's one that always stands out in my mind, which Tim will definitely know before I've even said it, is a a listing from Eclected Man where they had a... It was full solid yellow gold with almost like a linen blue dial. Um, the color combination, ever since I saw that, and the condition that they had it in, it was just oh, very captivating. That, that was and, a good choice. <laughs> great, great watch. It looks a little bit, a really, looks really a little bit like the sort of thing that a James Bond villain might wear. Exactly, that's what yeah. I aspire to be. I thought so. <laughs> in my chateau. And Chateau Vox is that, yes. once yeah. we've all moved in, courtesy of Tim. <laughs> Finally, let's leave this question with uh, with Neil. Neil, question to you is: any particular Rolex memories, yeah, favourites, really aspirations at watches you own, watches you'd like to made by Rolex? Mm. Well, I have only ever owned one Rolex. It was an Explorer Two about sixteen years ago. I had it for two or three years, and I sold it. I'll, if I'm going to have another, I probably would buy that, uh, but I wouldn't buy a Rolex unless it was something like. Ben just suggested a really solid, in-your-face, 18-carat, chunky thing. Yeah. That's pretty cool. Uh, I think I might go for something like that. Uh, or the one that I once owned, which I, I quite liked. I must say, it was a, I think it was 41, 42 mil. It's about 15, 20 years ago. You'd know better. Mm-hmm. Grey Dial, Explorer 2. Oh, uh, okay. Nice. Yeah, nice. Yeah, nice. I think uh, Pear's got... Has he got the white dial version of that? Is it just a friend of the company's got one? He's got the Maxi Case version. So oh, is it? Okay. It's not that. Right. Similar. Nice. Great, so as we wrap up, does everyone like the new releases from Rolex? Let's, uh, quick show of hands, quick yeah, show of opinions. Sure. I like it. <laughs> yeah. The show yeah. of hands is useless in a podcast, yeah, actually. Yeah, 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 it's, it's about as helpful <laughs> as a chocolate teapot. Um, yeah, okay, like in 10 words or less, new Rolexes, yes, no, what do you like? Um, there's one. What do I like? Uh, the Oyster Perpetuals 36. Uh, I'd be interested to see the Submariner in person, hard to tell, based just on pictures. Uh, oh, you've had your 10 words John Depressed that 39's gone Done Too many words Damn it Sorry uh, <laughs> I, I don't really care about this sub And I do really like the 36mm in the pastel shades That is the sort of Prissy that we're after Ben New movement Good Oyster Perpetual 36 Good Is that enough words? I think you I might Everything else is shit A few left Nice <laughs> <laughs> um, I like most of them That's mine And finally Neil uh, love, the colors. love the colours. Love the colours. I would like to see them on matching coloured straps. Maybe alligator. Ooh. That is out Ooh. there. That Proper is out 70s. there. On that bombshell, we shall leave you. Um, say goodbye, everyone. Goodbye, everyone. Bye, everyone. Thanks. Bye, everyone. <laughs> goodbye, everyone. I set that up nicely, didn't I? Thank you very much, and we will catch you next week. Cheers.
Thank you for listening to another episode of the Time to Unwind podcast. If you enjoyed listening, we'd love to hear from you. So please leave your ratings of the show through your podcast app. And be sure to reach out on social media at WatchGecko with your thoughts. Adding a rating and a comment really does help the podcast, so we'd be grateful for your support. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you in the next episode.